When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. Because righteousness governs the world. Come take a musical journey. From the suburbs of Long Island to the ghettos of Kingston. A heartbreaking overdose. A disturbing discovery. The last chance to redeem a stolen legacy. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica from a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. In the reggae anthem Get Up, Stand Up, the whalers sing, not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. My friend Brian always dreamed he could make the world a better place. Maybe by me telling his story, he still can. Consequence Podcast Network presents Rootsland, Season 1, Reggae Junkie Joe. Whole barrage of righteous people out there. Because sometimes the story is the best song. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for coming here, uh, checking out the series, making your way to this episode. 
You know the drill. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with all your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, uh, YouTube for the video versions, uh, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. And I'm Kyle Mayer. Today, I'm talking with Eric Andre. So Eric Andre, Eric Andre's show, he's, he's got a brand new movie called Bad Trip. Uh, he and I are going to talk about the seven years in the making backstory of the film uh, and how to script a movie with so much improvisation, you know, much much like, well, not exactly like a show, but much like the Eric Andre show. It's a prank film, but it's also a, a buddy comedy and a road trip movie. So he's going to tell us about all the unpredictable reactions of the targets, the the other people in the movie, uh, getting his uh, and, and a co-star, uh, Lil Rel uh, Howery's uh, genitals stuck together in a finger trap. Yeah, that was in the movie. Also getting molested by a zoo gorilla. None of this stuff should be surprising if you uh, keep up with Eric Andre. Uh, among many other moments in this, again, prank-style film, uh, we're also going to discuss the road trip movies they took inspiration from. Uh, stuff like uh, Tommy Boy, Dumb and Dumber, Wayne's World, uh, of course, National Lampoon's Vacation movies, uh, getting important messages across through very absurd means, as he also does in his uh, new Netflix comedy special, Legalize Everything. And he'll tell us about some of the cutting room pranks that uh, he says we'll see the light of day soon. So let's get into this. It's Kyle Meredith with Eric Andre. Kyle. Let me tell you first off, this weekend, this past week, was the most fun I think I've ever had doing research because not only was I able to catch your brand new film, uh, Bad Trip, the number one movie in all of the world, but I also caught the Netflix special as well with Legalize Everything. Oh, nice. So it's, uh, it's a, weekend well, or a week well spent, I should say. The stuff you're doing is outstanding. Congratulations on all the success. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your Ren and Stimpy dolls and your Sub Pop sticker as well. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy, I got Tron back there. It's Shout out to David to keep... Bowie. Shout out to two David, David Bowie. You have a, a wall, a shrine. Sure. It's three. You can't tell, but that's Ziggy oh, Stardust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. He was a legend. But seriously, man, it, it is... Um... What you've been doing, and, and it's not exactly new, like you've been on this trip for, you know, the decade now or whatever, but uh, but seeing it all come into what went into this movie with, with Bad Trip, um, let's start there because I know the, like reading about this, the journey to get here goes over several years and you went through, I guess, several incarnations of figuring out the story. Like what what was the journey to that? My God, it was such a, it, it, it was like almost a decade. So. As we were finishing editing the second season of the Eric Andre show, uh, Bad Grandpa came out 2013 and it made a quadrillion dollars. And my agent called me, John Sachs, shout out. He said, hey, Bad Grandpa just made a quadrillion dollars. You make hidden camera pranks. You should meet with Jeff Tremaine and see if you and the, my, my, my partners on Eric Andre show can come up with a feature idea. But we had no idea how to write a movie. We like, we uh, we just came from a prank writing background, so we didn't know story or anything like the tenements of a, the tenements, the tenants. Of the, That's right. Tenements or tenants? Tenants live in a building, right? <laughs> so it'd be tenements. The tenements. I don't know. I'm not gonna pretend like I know. I, I don't know the don't answer know to either. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even speak English. I memorize all this phonetically leading up. To <laughs> That's nice. Um. So, uh, so, and then we were doing the show on and off. So for a few years, we were just like developing an idea with Jeff, me, Kitao, my director, my writing partner, Dan Curry. And then um, finally we kind of cracked it. We went out 
we shopped it around. MGM bought it, and and and, and we started writing the movie for MGM in 2016. Then we started filming end of 2016, 2017. Then we uh, we needed to do reshoots just to pick up all these pieces to like make make the pranks cohesive and like you know fill in the gap bridge the gaps and then rel had his fox show picked up so we had to wait like almost a year for rel to, to wrap his show rel shows wraps then we filmed the pickups and in 2018 finished editing the movie 2019 supposed to come out october 2019 the studio pushed because of some movie that nobody watched they got they got spooked by and then finally we're like all right we got into south by southwest 2020 perfect like festival for this movie you know what i mean this movie it's not a sundance movie it's a, it's a south by movie you know what i mean a once in a lifetime global pandemic of, of like five days before i flew to austin shuts everything down and then the movie was nowhere so that was like year six then the movie was like in no man's land because we didn't know if, what if theaters were coming back or what and then we tried to sell it and then netflix bought it thank god and then uh seven and a half years after that bad grandpa conversation we finally put out the movie. Isn't that amazing? And here you are in 2021 and you're still talking about it. Something that even just the filming, you know, is, is like you said, what, two, three years in the past at this point, yeah. uh, a, a lot of it. Yeah. But still somehow it's such a cohesive work. I mean, that's, you know, so props, I guess, to that one. Thanks. How do you, I'm sure I'm going to ask a few obvious questions here. Um, how do you script something that has so much free will in it? Like there is, I'm going to use the term, there is so much jazz that goes on in a movie like this. How do you figure out to script it like that? We had the story and you kind of, and, and, and you go into each scene with exposition that you want out of the real person you're pranking and the, the, the prank. And they're usually tied together. So you have a premise of an idea and certain lines that, a certain uh, uh, exposition I needed to get out and Rel needed to get out and Tiffany needed to get out and Michaela needed to get out. And then you have to just improvise within that uh, kind of uh, expositional uh, checklist, you know? Yeah. So, and you got to take it scene by scene, you know? So, um, and you know, I, I know like, like, like for example, like uh, the musical scene at the mall, I knew when I sat down next to that guy at the bench, that I needed him, I needed it to feel like he was coming up with the idea for me to go on this epic adventure and like being my support system in that scene. But our ethos going into it, into this movie was no fake reactions. You can't give a person a line like, hey, can you say this line? We need this for exposition. We were like, they have to say it genuinely. So I actually interviewed, I actually talked to like six or seven people on that park bench for like three hours until we got that guy to say that specific, like, I say, you know what, man, go for it. Like that little, like whatever it is, like five seconds of the movie took us like half a day to get. And then I, and then once I got that, I was like in my mind, thank God. And then I broke out into musical, started dancing, all, dancing in the streets. So that's kind of how it works. You know, I know my character has to get out in a certain amount of exposition. I had scripted as much as I possibly could, but it's almost like a curb your enthusiasm where Larry David doesn't even like script the dialogue anymore. He just knows he goes into each scene with like, this is this is my goal out of this scene. You're leading from behind in a lot of ways. I mean, what a what a tightrope, what an interesting kind of way to, to spend your day, something like that. Yeah, it is. 
the most tedious filmmaking. <laughs> are, are you writing on the fly too? Does that does that happen? Like once you figure out the situation, does that? Kind of, I mean, I know that happens in a lot of movies anyway. Like, oh, we're switching out that scene. Here's a here's something we just wrote. But does that happen in a I guess more specific way with something like this? Yeah, I mean, writing on the fly in the form of improvisation. But again, I know I, I need like a specific plot point out of you uh, to drive the, the the story forward. So as long as like I achieve that plot point, then, you know, and, and we pull off the prank properly, then like it was mission accomplished. It was like a much more complex, Eric Andre show, you just need to pull off the prank. You don't need any exposition. In fact, like you don't want a narrative for any Eric Andre show. You want it to be completely absurd stream of consciousness, you know, ADD. Mm. So this is a different process. Which, by the way, uh, one of the great genius shows that's that's been on the air for the past few years. I, I'd always wanted like the human embodiment of Space Ghost Coast to Coast, and I feel like I got that with you guys. Oh, like that was. And my mentor, Mike Lazo, created. He was the president of the uh, Adult Swim. He just retired. He created Space Ghost, so I would go to him. He really mentored me in the early days. There's a, of course, you know, a lot of emphasis on these pranks, but there there is the story here. And you play a character. I think you've called it maybe a heightened version of yourself, but this character, Chris, how much do you consider someone like this as backstory? Because he is so genuine. Like there's so much heart, like he means everything that's going on. Yeah, we had to figure that out early on that like my pranks in the movie could never be intentionally destructive. In her Andre show, I'm like an anarchist caveman. I can be as destructive and, and offensive as possible because you're not following my character. I'm changing character each segment in the streets and then in the studio, I'm like intentionally dysfunctional and you're only following me for 11 and a half minutes. For a movie that needs, that we wanted to have even a broader appeal too and a world appeal, you have to have a sympathetic protagonist that you can like um, empathize with and sink your teeth into because you're, you're, you're dragging the audience across 90 minutes of footage. So like the the you know that's like 10 times the runtime of eric andre show episode so runtime plays a big part in a um in a medium's needs and principles which i had to learn the hard way over and over and over again but you know uh, on top of that the the i guess um the sociological experiment that comes along with any kind of something like this a prank show uh, or something like watching the reactions and then figuring out how those people would follow that reaction. Like I'll pull out a couple different scenarios here. Uh, at one point you put your hand in a blender, right? No one helped you. At least not in the scene that I saw, like everybody ran. Right. Right. I think that was just like a primal reaction to fear. I mean, that's like a horror movie. <laughs> so I think like, I don't know. I was also like misbehaving all the way up to the, Sure. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know if I was generating a lot of sympathy from the people I was pranking up into the moment anyway. You know, I think they were ready, ready to leave. They were ready to be done with me. But I think that's just primal fear and shock of seeing. But that's what, you, like, does that stuff ever surprise you? Like, like the, the other turn on this, like um, uh, Tiffany Haddish's character is escaping, you know, prison from under a bus and there's a guy, a, you know, wiping graffiti away. And yeah. sure enough, like, and he has the sweetest tone in his voice the whole time that he's yeah. trying to help her, but obviously trying not. Like, is it surprising even to you the reactions that you get in these moments? Yeah, you never really, you're surprised every day. Or you're, you're also surprised because like you'll go into some pranks thinking like, oh, this is going to be the best prank of all time. And then it'll be a total dud. And then vice versa, you're like, this prank might might work, might not. And then it becomes like the signature. Bird up from Eric Andre shows like that. I was like, 
we shot the first one in like 20 minutes because was, it was like about to rain. We were about to break for lunch. I was like, this bit is stupid. Like, we don't have a bit. This is a, like, like, I'm already over it. I was like over it. And then when I got to the editing bay, I was like, this is like the best, the most, going to be the most iconic bit of the series. So yeah. you never know. Yeah, you're always surprised. You're always surprised. And you're, and you're frustrated a lot too because like, it's like, it's just unpredictable how people are going to react to each scene, you know. There's got to be something that you can learn about humanity in some way with all of this. And I'll bring up the, um, I mentioned your, your stand-up special on Netflix that came out last year with Legalize Everything. Like, you have these absurd moments, which, again, you are a master at these absurd moments and everything. But it, it doesn't take you paying too much attention to, to realize that you're putting some important messages across here. Right. You know, whether you're talking about, you know, the cops and reggae music or whatever, or the war on drugs. I mean, you're taking these big, important topics and presenting them and diffusing them maybe at the last second. How much of that sort of same thought goes into a movie like this? Are you trying to get a point across, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, if you're not trying to get a point across, it's pointless. <laughs> but... uh yeah, you got to thread the needle because you don't want to be pretentious. You know, I call it like highbrow, lowbrow. You got to, especially with the stand-up special, I was trying to like not, you don't want to be preachy. You want to be funny. So you really want to Trojan horse the message within a silly, stupid joke. But yeah, each, the show has a different message. The stand-up special has a different message and the, and the movie has a different message. Each each project kind of has its own DNA. So what's the message on the movie? I think the movie is, I think the movie is American, Americans aren't as divided and antipathetic as most media would have you believe. There's a lot of humanity and unity amongst working class everyday Americans and people are really trying to look out for one another despite their, um, you know, color or creed. And I think that the elite billionaire oligarch class pits the working class against one another to kind of divide and conquer. I mean, this is mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that there's like much more common ground and much more unity amongst the proletariat. I mean, I'd like to hope, uh, hope so. I'm in Kentucky. It's hard. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a blue town in a very red state, you know, and you, you have these moments where, you know, I just throw my hands up and, and I know that the base level, you know, family members that I, you know, we're very on the different sides of fence. We're both going to laugh our asses off at this movie. Right. I want this movie to, I want this movie to unite and heal America. And, you know, I, I think like, that's also a misconception. I think like we're very, in, in my therapist called it splitting. We're very like red state, blue state, nothing in between. I think like each issue, each political topic has its own nuanced set of problems and everybody has their own set of nuanced opinions i, I just think and, and even if we disagree uh, just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that they're your enemy but you know i think the last the previous administration was just trying to pit us against one another constantly and we're literally killing each other and uh i i, I think or I, I think that's what's covered in the news a lot but i, I i'm glad that we covered like a softer, more sweeter, more humanitarian cross-section of America. And because people are like genuinely trying to save my life or, or, or Rel's life, like throughout the movie, you know, people like 
sympathize and empathize with my plight. You know, I think that's important that you, I don't know if it was meant to be like this, but that you put it in the South that you did. I mean, it starts in Florida. Yeah. You ended up I'm in, from, you know, the deep I'm South. from Florida and like Maria, we knew we wanted to do a big finale prank in an art gallery because that seemed like a high stakes place to destroy because of the value of art. So we would like New York City made sense. So like we kind of started with the top and bottom of the road trip. Um, and then you just naturally go through the South and every road trip movie has that kind of like honky tonk bar scene where like, you know, Eddie Murphy in 48 hours goes into the redneck bar and he's like, oh shit, like you ain't, you ain't from around here, are you? We knew we wanted that iconic scene. But even in that scene in the country bar, uh, I was met with uh, sympathy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that woman was, especially the main woman that started to help me up after I'm like, you know, fell off the bar was gen gen genuine and sincerely trying to help. I'm glad you actually brought up, uh, you know, some of the other road trip movies. There, there's a moment where you and uh, where Chris and the character Bud are in the car together and you're both singing, thank you for being a friend. Yeah. And I was taken back to that moment in Tommy Boy where, you know, David Spade and Chris Farley's character is kind of doing the same thing. Did, were you looking at other road trip movies and, oh, and yeah. kind of doing the checklist? Big time. Other road trip movies and other buddy movies. Tommy Boy, Dumb and Dumber, Wayne's World, National Lampoon's Vacation. We were like, for even Meg Ryan movies, we were watching like rom-coms we were watching when harry met sally because a buddy a buddy story is a love story between two best friends um super bad anything that was like a buddy story a rom-com a love story or a road trip comedy especially like the more iconic ones from the 80s and 90s that i grew up on we wanted to like intentionally kind of um copy and paste the most iconic tropes from those movies because that's like very satisfying to see those tropes play out in real life there's a scene where Rel and I have like a major falling out, you know, kind of bottom of act two. And uh, then we have like a, a kind of a makeup scene where I apologize, you know, on a bus to him. And uh, we got that scene like directly from when Harry met Sally, I think, or like love actually with Hugh Grant. We watched like a bunch of rom-coms and kind of just like emulated like all the classic. It's always like somebody stopping somebody at a movie uh, at, at a um, airport or uh, bus, it's always like the one lover is traveling away, uh, but like our, our characters were broke, so we thought a Greyhound was more appropriate than an airport. Um, plus like uh, producing a prank in an airport is next to impossible. So uh, yeah, we were um, purposely trying to emulate like the most iconic, identifiable, archetypal uh, tropes in those movies, because when you cram them in public, it makes it like all the more richer. <clears throat> what do you call it? I, I forget. You're know, just looking for the of Easter eggs, really, but kind of finding those moments. But like I said, with Tommy Boy or Harry Met Sally. What about your own? I mean, you know, we've all done the road trips. Were you able to use any of your own? Do you have those stories too that you kind of slide in there every now and then? The the real life stuff. Yeah, I did one. Me and my director drove from Los Angeles to New York before we got into making the movie because we wanted to take like a. I never drove cross country before, and. uh I don't think anything specific outside of like, you know, there's a scene where like a Rel like eats a, a bad moon pie and he has indigestion and he has to use a porta potty and like singing, singing, you know, thank you for being a friend together, like sing along car carpool karaoke kind of moments. Mm -hmm. Those moments like come out of like just the road trips you experienced growing up with friends and stuff like that, but nothing specific. It wasn't like I did LSD with a snowboarder in Vail, Colorado. And I said, <laughs> hmm. I'm on to something here. It wasn't so. Doesn't make it in like that, right? Yeah. I got to ask about a couple of the really iconic moments in this movie. First off, uh, Chinese Finger Trap. Yes. 
where did that idea come from? It came out of the first writer's room. You know, we just, same with the Eric Andre show, we just invite all our favorite comedian friends into a room for a few weeks and we just drink coffee and riff, 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 riff until like one little nugget like that comes out. And I think somebody just drew, <laughs> drew on like the dry erase board behind us, like our two penises in a Chinese finger trap and all like 10 writers looked up and just started cracking up. It's that easy. That it, easy. it sounds easy anyway. Well, it was, you know, it takes a lot of coffee and a lot of days. It, it takes like a lot of bad ideas and throwing spaghetti at the wall before you get a little gem like that. So you really have to like crawl through the sewer, uh, you know, crawl, crawl through the Shawshank Redemption sewer before you get to paradise. I feel like that's that's an easy seg also to asking about you and the gorilla, because at one point, not only are you basically getting molested, raped by the gorilla? I don't know if you're raped because you sort of look a little bit like you're into it, but uh, but you end up with 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 gorilla jizz all over your face. Yeah. Is there a point in that where you say, "This is my career. This is what I'm doing today"? Does it feel <laughs> different than the other days? Well, we thought that prank wasn't going to be possible. We're like, nobody's going to buy this. Like, there's no way because like it's a guy in a gorilla costume too, you know. So. We were like, that's one of the first things we did. But we we're like, but if we pull this off, it will be the greatest scene in the movie. That came out of Harambe. So when when we started writing the movie, that gorilla at whatever zoo it was, the Cincinnati Zoo or whatever, kid fell into the gorilla enclosure and the gorilla was whipping the kid around. The kid was like three years old and the 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 the, the whatever the zoo rangers, I don't know what they're called, zookeeper had to kill the gorilla. And there was outrage from animal rights activists, like you shouldn't have killed the gorilla. And then the, the zookeepers had to explain, like gorillas only protect their own, like pact, and they would that kid would have been killed. Did it? Yada yada yada. So we were just fascinated with that Harambe story. And then we were like, what if I fall into a gorilla enclosure, and the gorilla starts whipping me around? And then like one of the writers was like, no, what if the gorilla starts fucking you in the ass? At one point, it was like, what if one gorilla starts fucking you in the ass? And then somebody was else was like another gorilla should come up and start fucking in the mouth and then like a giraffe and a rhinoceros should come in and like but we're like we can't do this with real animals. <laughs> we can't train real exotic animals to fuck me uh so we were like went to a special effects house like how much is one gorilla uh, how much is two gorilla outfits and they told us the price and we we're like got it we're only having one gorilla fuck yeah <laughs> so that came out of harambe and uh no, I was, yeah, I was proud of the, the, the jizz in the face. I knew it was going to just like light the theater. When we, when we had our first like test screenings, I mean, like the, that scene just blew the roof off. There's some cut scenes that you guys have talked about. Uh, and I want to quickly ask about one of them because there, apparently there was an exorcism that didn't make the cut. Yeah. What, that sounds amazing, I guess. I don't it in my head at least it does. Too. You're going to be able to see it. So it's not a total loss. It just was too supernatural to be in the, the body of the movie. It's kind of like, it ruined the stakes of every, all the other scenes because like nothing kind of mattered after you watched that when it was in the body of the movie. It was like, oh, okay, so like there can just be a ghost possession in the middle of this thing. So like nothing else matters. So in the body of the movie, that scene doesn't work, but on its own as like an independent scene, it's really, really funny and effective. Um, yeah, so we're we're gonna release that soon. Like what? And more of them? Is that kind of the plan? Somebody yeah, we had one that we had one prank that failed that Chris Rock was in that really broke our hearts because like we got Chris Rock to fly down to Atlanta. He like flew himself down, put himself up. He got paid like whatever four hundred bucks or something. You know, he did it just out of like 
his love for me and, and, and Rel and Tiffany. And the prank just failed. It was like, it was a hitchhiker prank where he was like, Chris was playing a cop. We were driving and we got this guy off Craigslist to get in our car and we're going to like frame it in the movie. Like he was a hitchhiker. The guy like was like, like kind of like off. And he like, didn't believe even like the shit I was saying. So by the time Chris Rock pulled him over, he was like, Chris fucking rock. No way. And we like disguised Chris as best as we could. We put big aviator glasses and the cop helmet on him. But his voice is so recognizable and iconic. As soon as you started talking, the guy didn't buy it. And we just didn't, we weren't able to like pull off the prank. And it was really, really heartbreaking because it would have like just been, if we had pulled it off, it would have been one of the best scenes in the movie. And I felt bad cutting Chris, who's my hero, out of the movie. But the prank failed. You know, it was no fault of Chris's. So we're going to release that though. It is funny, the footage. He's like fucking with me and it. it some of that stuff, the, the, those outtakes actually work better on their own than in the body of the movie anyway. So I think it's like kind of the best place to, to screen them is just Netflix popping them on YouTube. I can't wait to see them. I mean, again, there's so many great moments all the way through this. I feel like, you know, not a sequel, but we're getting the, kind of that extra stuff with it. So I look forward to that. I, I quickly just want to compliment you. Uh, you brought it up earlier, but I saw a girl today ends up being such a great song in itself. I mean, even beyond the prank, just yeah. listening to that. Um, yeah. It's on Spotify. I didn't even know it yeah. be. That's cool. <laughs> you know, it's it's different than, you know, what you do with Blarf. I got to say, uh, cease and desist. It made me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. I have no idea who that guy is. You should try it out sometime. It it's, makes you feel weird. I'll it's check it some out. fun stuff. <laughs> but seriously, man, uh, you're incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your way and everything. Uh, but man, I, I butter my it. balls, Kyle. I got low self-esteem. I'll take it. I do love what you do. Uh, I'll quickly just ask the easy question. What comes next? What else is uh, the rest of the year looking like for you? I would love to uh, get vaccinated and travel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that'd be cool. Uh, I'm working on some things. I want to definitely do more hidden camera stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll prank till the, the day I D.I.E., but also uh, subscripted comedy. And I have to be uh vague and ambiguous in this comment because i'm i totally understand I'm, I'm contractually not allowed to mention the rest of my year but yeah. just stay tuned and you'll see what i got coming. <laughs> dude thank you so much for taking the time to oh, talk about man. this congratulations thanks. on bad trip and all the success man it's been a lot of fun thanks so much kyle talk to you soon my thanks to eric andre again let's let's run down the stuff here bad trip is the new movie on netflix he's also got a stand-up special that just came out uh, just last year on netflix called Legalize Everything, and of course, there's the Eric Andre Show as well. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Uh, please do hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed what you hear. I do three interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so uh, you can subscribe. All the usual spots, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube again, if you want to see the, uh, the video version of this interview and all the others as well. Uh, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with wherever you get your podcast from. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, and uh, over on TikTok at KyleMeredith81. Please uh, like and follow along, and make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. I'm eating my breakfast in my bathrobe. Yeah. I've, been, I've been drunk since Thursday. It's a champagne of vaccines. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.